It's powerful to look at the Christmas story with fresh eyes and to, um, to think again uh, the story that in our culture uh, every season at this time uh, we're reminded of the story of Jesus. We're reminded of the facts of it. But um, I was struck afresh this, this time looking at it and just thinking about how each person in the biblical account, that there's many, many people that are included in this account of the birth narrative of Jesus. And each one just has this tiny glimpse, uh, a, a vision of, of something that's true and something significant, but they can only see a piece. And, and some of them see a completely different piece than what others see. As you, as you came in tonight, you should have got a, a piece of a puzzle. And, uh, and if not, you can grab one on the way out. There's plenty. So, but the puzzle piece, it, it serves two functions. One is for those of us that uh, have been grown up in the church, that have been surrounded with the Christmas story for many years, it's a reminder that for whatever we think we know, for whatever we think we have a hold of, we've really just received a piece, Right? That Jesus is so much more vast, that his birth, his incarnation, coming as a child is so much more amazing than we could ever wrap our minds around. And if we arrive at a point where we start to be like, oh yeah, the birth of Jesus, yeah, but I heard this one before, right? These are are well-worn pages in the Bible. If If we lose the amazement and the all of this, my hope is that tonight that we can be reminded that that God is doing something so much more vast than we could think of. On the flip side, if, if you've come in tonight and, and, uh, and you're struggling and, and you don't know what is true anymore and, and, you, and you don't know, but you, you're, you're, looking, you're looking for a piece of truth, you're looking for something to hang your life upon, I want to encourage you that this piece is a reminder that, that what you have received is, is a piece of truth upon which you can build your life. You don't have everything, nobody does, but you've got a piece in the story of Jesus it was all the shepherds got, it was all the wise men got, but it was sufficient for them to come and to bow down before him and worship. And it's my hope that tonight as we spend a few moments thinking about this, that, that it will be sufficient for you to come in worship as well. It's funny how uh, the idea of fear works into so many of these stories, right? The angel comes and says, do not be afraid, Mary, do not be afraid, Joseph, do not be afraid. Herod was driven by fear to do horrible things. The shepherds, had, they, they, had to be, they had to be calmed down, right? They said, do not be afraid. I know there's this crazy choir of angels, but do not be afraid. Sometimes we fear the unknown. And the greatest unknown that we could think about or ponder is God, our creator. He is the vast mystery. He is the great unknown. But he doesn't want us to fear him in a way that pushes us away. He wants us to fear him in a, in a way of awe and respect that draws us near. Mary understood this. She was, she was a simple girl, and her question was really, I don't, I don't know why you chose me, and I don't know how this is going to happen. But she didn't allow those things to prevent her from moving forward. She said, Lord, I'm willing, whatever you would desire me to do. And so my hope is, as, as we look at through a few of these examples tonight, find your place in the story. What's your piece of the puzzle? Where do you fit in with this? Like Mary, are you saying... God, you've, you've told me something great. You've shown me something great about yourself, and yet uh, it, it's confusing, and there's pieces of it that don't make sense. And, and part of the prophecy that was spoken by Simeon to her was ominous, right? A, a spear will pierce your heart as well. She must have been wondering, what is this all about? Why are the wise men bringing uh, myrrh, this bitter perfume that's used in burial? What, is, what does that mean? What is, what is going on here? She didn't know. She, didn't have, she had more questions than answers, but she was willing to say, God, I'm willing. As Dave shared with us last Sunday, I'm a willing vessel, Lord. Whatever you would have me to do, 
I don't have to understand it all. Just show me the next step and I'll take it. Joseph, on the other hand, we're told that he was a just man and his justness, his, his moral goodness, led him to conclude that he would need to divorce Mary quietly, that he would need to end the engagement because he assumed that she had cheated on him. For some of us, it's our moral goodness, it's our just behavior that actually keeps us from Jesus. Because we want to stay inside a comfortable box. We want to say, I, I know I, if I stay in here, I'm safe, I'm protected, I'm comfortable. But so many times, if we look in Scripture, Jesus called people outside of their comfort. He called them to where it was really messy. He said, hey, Peter, I want you to get out of the boat. Hey, hey, crowd, I want you to follow me out into the wilderness. I don't know where dinner's coming from, but, but the Lord will provide. And if any of you have taken the time to really love someone well, Jesus said, love your neighbors. He said, love your enemies. He said, bless those who curse you. And if you've done that, you know how messy that is. And you know the feeling of saying, I... I believe I'm doing the right thing, but it feels horrible right now. <laughs> the right thing doesn't feel good. The, the, the morally just person that, that resides in their justness won't get to the point of experiencing that. They won't, they won't dip their toes into the gray area of trying to love somebody in a difficult situation. They'll stay over where it's safe. But it keeps them from knowing the power and the mystery of God. If that's where you are in this season, I encourage you to, to step forward and follow Jesus, even if it gets messy. His way is better than, than our way. Simeon struggled with saying, hey, there was this prophecy that I was told I would see the, the Messiah, but I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen. And maybe you're here and you're saying, I, I see promise in Scripture and I feel like there's things that are supposed to happen, but I don't see it happening, God. And if that's where you are tonight, I want to encourage you that you're in good company. Simeon experienced this. Joseph experienced this while he languished in jail waiting for God to to, to fulfill the prophecy that he had seen. Abraham waited for his son to be born. That So many times in Scripture we see God not fulfilling the promise in the way and the timing that we would hope or expect. And yet those that persevere, that hang on, say, God, I'm going to believe you even when it doesn't look right. I'm going to believe that you're going to be true to your word. Their faithfulness always pays off. And I would encourage you, be faithful. The wise men were seeking but they weren't seeking in, in God's people. They weren't seeking in God's revealed word. They were seeking in the stars. They were looking in other places to try and find God. You might be here and you might say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of spiritual, but I'm not really religious. You know, I, uh, I appreciate what you're saying, and if that works for you, that's good. But, but I'm just kind of more, uh, I'm just trying to understand that in, in a different way. I'm trying to pursue a different path. And I want to encourage you with the story of the wise men. The wise men were, were seeking God in the stars, and when they found him, a piece of his truth in the stars it led them to his people. It led them to the fulfillment of his prophecy, and it led them to Jesus. And so you may find a piece of truth somewhere else, but tonight it has led you here to be confronted with this baby in the manger. And so the question for you is, like the wise men, will you bow before him? Will you bring your gifts and offer them to him? Or will you refuse? The shepherds, on the other hand, were, they, they were in, they were a part of God's people. They knew, they were very familiar with the, the laws and the rules and the, the regulations of the Israelites, that, with God's word, and yet they had chosen a profession that kept them outside of the city, outside of the temple, away from God's people, isolated, on the outskirts. Maybe you're here and you grew up in church, 
you had religious grandparents or religious parents and they took you to church and you've, you've been there and you've done that, but now you're not really that interested in, in organized religion, right? Maybe you, you, you don't feel like you have any use for it except maybe to, to make a relative happy on, on Christmas Eve, right? I want to encourage you that the shepherds were outside of the city and the angel came to them. And then a choir of angels came to announce the birth of the king. They didn't go to the synagogue where the religious people were. They didn't go to the, to the rich and the wealthy in the city and the powerful. They went to the outskirts, to the outcasts, to those who felt disenfranchised. And they said, this is your king. And I say to you tonight that if that's how you feel, Jesus is your king. And he's inviting you to be a part of his, his community, his people. He's saying, come. He says, don't stay out in the fields. Come. And worship before Jesus. That's really all we're trying to do here at church. We're not trying to be formal, ceremonial, religious. We're just trying to worship Jesus. A bunch of shepherds who've come in from the fields. The innkeeper's a mystery. Was he a, was he a, a guy who had given up all the best spaces that he had to the profitable and those that had made reservations and, and only left what was left over for Jesus? Or was he someone who said, hey, I honestly don't have anything to give at this point, but, but what little I have, I will gladly give to you. It makes all the difference in the world. Outside, as you look at that situation, it looks externally the same, but is it a hardened heart that will only make a little bit of space? Or is it an open heart that says, all the space that I have is yours. I have this stable. I don't know if you want it. I don't know if you can use it, but it's yours if you want it. My prayer is that that would be your heart's prayer tonight. <laughs> That you would say, I've, I don't, God, I don't even know if you want what's in my heart. There's a lot broken. There's a lot messed up. But, but if you want it, it's yours. And if you'll say that, he will gladly take you up on that offer. And Jesus will be birthed into your heart. Finally, we look at Herod. Herod was afraid. He was afraid that this new king was going to take the things that he had amassed. He was afraid that this new king was going to challenge his power. And it led him to be angry and bitter and murderous. To maintain the grip of the throne. You may not be angry and bitter and murderous tonight, but, but perhaps Jesus challenges you. Perhaps you're intimidated by him. Perhaps you're afraid that, that he's going to ask more than you're willing to give up. I would encourage you that there is nothing that you will give up, that you will miss, once you come into relationship with Jesus. Herod never pondered the fact that this new king's reign might be better than his, that it might benefit and bless him far beyond any reign that he could, he could do on his own. It's the same way in our lives. We want to control our lives, but, but when we release our lives to Jesus, he does things that are far beyond anything we could hope or imagine. And so I ask you tonight, where is your peace? Where do you fit in this story? This little puzzle piece that you have fits somewhere in there. <laughs> you might see your spot, you might not see it. But I want to encourage that if, if, if this is a starting piece for you, that there's a place to get more pieces. That through studying God's word, he's given us his truth. This is where the truth resides. And as we study it and we, and we build on the pieces, we live out what Jesus says. It's one thing to read and see Jesus say, love your enemies. But that doesn't add the peace into your life. What adds the peace into the puzzle of your life is when you actually do it. <laughs> when you incarnate, when you love someone who hates you. And then you begin to say, Jesus, now I understand how, how you loved me even when I hated you. Even when I was distant and disconnected from you, you came and you loved me. 
and we receive that. Every week, we gather together in this church and we look for more pieces to add in to understand. And, and we'll do it our whole lives and we'll never understand fully who God is because he's vast. He's big. He's huge. He's beyond our understanding and yet he wants to be found. Dave, if you'll go to the second slide. You don't get Job this time. Sorry, you'll have to go read the book of Job if you want to know what that was. But <laughs> Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In this brief passage, God says, I am bigger than you can imagine. My ways are bigger than your ways. My thoughts are bigger than your ways. But I want you to seek me. I love you. I want you to know me, and I will pardon you. And I will forgive you of your sins, and I will bring you into relationship with me. I will adopt you as my son, my daughter, and I will pour out my gifts on you lavishly. There was a knowledgeable man named Nicodemus who came to Jesus, and he knew a lot about the Bible, about Scripture. He was a wise man. He was a Pharisee, and yet he came to Jesus, and he said, you're saying things I've never heard before. Teach me. Add more pieces of the puzzle. Help me to know God more fully. And here's what Jesus said to him. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. 